Thank you for joining us today in our verse-by-verse study of the book of Revelation. In our last podcast, we saw the grain harvest in Revelation chapter 14. Today on Drawing Near, we view the grape harvest as the Heavenly Father continues to call for the harvest of the earth. I encourage you to open your Bible and to turn to the Revelation of Jesus Christ chapter 14 and join us for the grape harvest. In preparation for our study, join me in prayer. We thank you, Father, for your grace and mercy in our lives, not in our lives only, but your grace and mercy extended to all the inhabitants of the earth. For in your great grace and mercy, you have withheld judgment. You have patiently waited for people to trust in you, to hear your gospel, even as their sin mounted and their rejection continued. And Father, today in Revelation 14, we see that the time has run out. It is time to harvest the earth. Father, we ask that we would have an understanding and an appreciation for not only these verses of Scripture, but for your patience and for your justice. Guide us in our study. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. In Revelation 14, verses 14 through 16, we have already seen what I believe to be the Lord Jesus harvest what is referred to as the grain from the earth. If you haven't done so already, it is important that you listen to the previous podcast in order to have the context for today's study. In Revelation 14, verse 17, we read, Then another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. So just like the Lord Jesus, or who I believe to be the Lord Jesus, sitting on the white cloud, wearing the victor's crown, just as he had a sharp sickle, now we have an angel coming out of the temple, which I believe means the presence of God, he also having a sharp sickle. In verse 18, we read, And another angel came out from the altar. Prior to this, the only reference we've really seen to an altar is the altar where the prayers of the saints are offered up, especially those saints under the altar who cried out to God for justice, saying, How long, O Lord, until you avenge our deaths? And it may be that the reference to the altar here is simply to indicate that God's justice is in part a response to those prayers of the saints who had been martyred, crying out for justice. So in verse 17, we have an angel coming out of the temple, out of the presence of God with a sharp sickle, and another angel in verse 18 coming out from the altar, a place of prayer and worship. The angel who comes out from the altar, we are told in verse 18, had power over fire. It's an unusual phrase. We're not told what it means, except that throughout Scripture, fire is a purging, purifying, judgmental element. So it may be that it's associated with God's judgment. Whatever it means, the angel coming from the altar had power over fire, and he cries with a loud voice. There's that emphasis on a loud cry. He cries with a loud cry to him who had the sharp sickle, the angel in verse 17, saying, Thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. Throughout the scripture, 
Whenever God's wrath had climaxed, it would often be said that the sins or the people who invoke that wrath would be trodden down or stamped out in the winepress of God's wrath. God's wrath is a very, very intense and final expression of God's anger. We see God's wrath in the flood. We see God's wrath in the complete destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. In both of those instances, God's wrath resulted in the complete purging of the objects of his wrath. One of the things we need to note is in Scripture, God's people, his servants, the saints, are never the recipients of God's wrath. We may experience his chastisement, we may be persecuted and suffer, and the result bring about our spiritual maturity, sanctification, perseverance. But we, the believer, we, the followers of God, never suffer God's wrath. It's one of the reasons why I so firmly believe that we are not on the earth during the Great Tribulation. At the end of verse 18, the angel with a loud cry declares, For her grapes are fully ripe. In other words, all of her sins have matured. They've reached their pinnacle point, their peak, and now God is going to act. And so in verse 19, in response to the loud cry from the angel coming out from the altar of God, we read, So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. When the sinfulness, the gross immorality, the ferocious rebellion of mankind reaches its pinnacle, God's judgment is certain. We must know this. Too often people have this idea that because they have not experienced the judgment of God, that it's not going to come. They actually look on God's patience, his forbearance, as a reason or as a license to continue sinning because they don't sense that God is going to act. And yet, throughout Scripture, God's wrath is revealed from heaven against ungodly people. Revelation 14, verse 20, is an emphatic and gross expression of God's wrath. We read in verse 20, And the winepress was trampled outside the city, and blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridles for 1,600 furlongs. That would be equivalent to about 180 miles. The result of the grape harvest, the harvest against the sinfulness of mankind, is expressed in the depth of the blood that flows from the winepress of God's wrath and the expanse of that blood. The depth up to the height of a horse's bridle. The expanse, 180 miles or so. That's unbelievable. And that's one of the reasons why so many interpreters see this as simply figurative. To see verse 20 as literally fulfilled is beyond their comprehension. And yet, whether this is literal or figurative, God's wrath against sin is clearly seen in this unbelievable expression of God's judgment. Make no mistake. God's wrath is coming against the sinfulness of men 
who reject his gospel and his glorious revelation of his eternal power and divine glory. His wrath is coming, and his wrath is going to be literal, and it's going to be bloody. People are going to die, not just physically, but spiritually condemned in hell for all eternity. This is certain. Our only response is to see sin as gravely as God sees sin. We need to heighten our understanding of the horror and the danger of rebelling against God and sinning against his word. God will not stand for it. He won't stand for it in the lost, and he chastises it in the believer. We also need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only means, the only provision God has given for our sin. Jesus paid for our sin on the cross. He bore our sin and our guilt. Through faith in him, we can bear his righteousness. He died for us in order that we might live for God. We must understand this, and we must commit ourselves to living out our faith boldly and completely before God as we await the return of Christ. Oh, Father, thank you for salvation. Thank you for our forgiveness. I thank you that Jesus Christ paid a debt we could not pay and gave us a treasure, a blessing, a promise we do not deserve. Help us to be thankful. Help us to rejoice in our salvation. No matter what else goes on in our lives, we have this to rejoice over. And it is so great, so grand, so glorious, that our cause for rejoicing should overpower everything else in our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your humble, willing sacrifice, for being made a little lower than the angels, so that we may be exalted in glory with you for all eternity. Help us to faithfully live out and proclaim the glorious gospel, the gospel that saves us with all those around us who will listen. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to these podcasts on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or the Facebook page Drawing Near. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City, provided with the hope that we will draw near to God and He will draw near to us.